0: Welcome to Unidentified Wargammer. Each week I interview a wargammer and identify them in the hobby. This week I've got a lovely gentleman, Crutchhammer,
1: Jared. How are you going, Jared? Good, man. How are you?
0: I'm going well. How's the weather down there?
1: Uh, It's cooled off a bit today. It was pretty hot, sort of Sunday, Monday, but yeah, we're down into some cooler stuff now, so a bit more pleasant. Very jealous. It's been very hot the last few weeks
0: here. I do love the heat, though. (laughs) I'm the opposite. I love the cold. We'll have to swap. Yes. I can't. It's too hot. Like we've had just had a stinker of a week. I think we had, I think a minimum of twenty nine and a maximum of like thirty three, thirty four all oh, week. That sounds perfect. No, that's disgusting. <laughs> Absolutely disgusting. What have you been up to for
1: the week? You done much hobby or? Um, I've done a little bit. Um, I've spent most of last week helping my partner get her army finished for a tournament on the weekend. Oh, very nice. She 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 plays, does she? Yes, yeah, she does. Yeah, we got her in finally. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. What have you got it playing? Uh, IDK. Oh nice. Yeah. So um but yeah, this week I've been building some skaven.
0: Oh, nasty little devil's those ones. Yeah. What are you what are you trying to do with your
1: Skaven? It's gonna be more like a long term paint project than um, anything for a gaming purpose. Um so I got pretty inspired by the boys at Mortally Wounded doing that Taylor Four Wargamers. Oh yes. And yeah. I wanted to do something similar for um the lads in my club so we're sort of doing that but on a club wide scale so yeah it'll be like a over the next 12 months kind of painting project type thing because josh is doing it for the tail isn't he josh is doing it for mortally wounded yeah has have they gone far with that yet i haven't seen too many updates i'm not sure i don't think they've had the first update yet um but yeah they're again it's like a long-term thing so and i suppose you get to sort of see the insight but well behind the scenes anyway I haven't seen anything yet. No, you <laughs> no, I'm not privy to that sort of thing. It's not revealed any of his secrets yet. <laughs> nah, not yet. I'm sure I'll get a sneak peek sometime soon.
0: Yeah, fair enough. So what with your Skaven army, have you? are you going through like conversions and stuff to make it the long scheme or are you just wanting to focus
1: on like a high detailed painting? I think I just want to try out some new techniques and things. So um, at the moment, I, I just use acrylic paints and I don't sort of... I don't use anything too advanced, like I'm not into the wet blending and the, you know, that sort of thing. So with this army, I wanted to try and broaden my horizons a bit and learn some new skills. Um, So I'm jumping into things like enamel washes and oil paints, oil washes and things like that. So um, the, the vision behind the army is I want it to be like this super muted, dark tone, really grim, dark, like paint scheme and then I want to have some crazy osl um like warpstone effects and things like that so yeah I'm just trying to push myself as a hobbyist a bit with it I think
0: oh no it's exciting for you then bit of yeah. a learning experience yeah not bad. what um what color are you going with your warp stone
1: um it'll either be green or orange I haven't decided yet
0: yeah I'm very excited to see it have, have you done much with it yet or are you still sort of in the planning phases
1: I'm still in the planning phases um we've just been building models and sort of yeah getting it all together at the moment getting all the tools and the bits and pieces.
0: Have you got a um, like an idea behind the list or are you just going to paint units as you
1: sort of find them? I've got a rough idea. It'll all be Clan Scryer. So it'll just be like an Arch Warlock, a couple of Engineers, um, six Storm Fiends, some Acolytes and a couple of Cannons. Oh, nice. And maybe, very... Rat, maybe Rat Jesus if I can fit him in there.
0: <laughs> it's a very thematic sort of... Um... Uh, scry army there
1: yeah have you going to have like any, any rattling guns or anything like that um I don't at the moment I probably wouldn't mind a few rattling cannons um but maybe some of the weapons teams like the ones that pop out of the clan rat squads and things like that they seem pretty fun so
0: especially when you can what jam six of them in a unit
1: yeah something like that as
0: wild. it's like one per ten or
1: something like that I think it'll be more of a beer and pretzels kind of army this one yeah either I blow you up or I blow myself up
0: And keep it sort of the the lower amount of models.
1: Yeah, yeah. yep, Very elite.
0: Yeah, as much as you can for a Skaven army. Yeah, that's right. What what sort of like other projects you've been working on outside of this one? What was your
1: previous project? Um, The last project I was working on, so I painted up my daughters. Um, That was the last army I sort of painted to completion. Um, And then I started painting some Seraphon. And I got about probably a third of the way through painting a Seraphon army. And they had that massive reveal with all the new units and things. So I sort of stopped painting that. One, it sort of killed the motivation a bit because, like, I don't want to go ahead and paint all of these kits and then they release these new shiny ones because I know I will buy them. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, that's on hold at the moment. I'm sort of just waiting to see um, for this last round of reveals. And then see what is getting replaced and what's not getting replaced. And, yeah, I'll jump back into that afterwards.
0: Was it some of the models you were already painting were the ones that were revealed or was it? Yeah, yeah. I just finished oh.
1: painting a Slan, <laughs> um, uh, Astrolith, there are a couple of Saurus Garden, things like that. So, yeah, I didn't want to go any further because I know I'll definitely buy the new the new kits when they come out. They look awesome.
0: Yeah, that's fair enough. Yeah, They're very cool models. Yeah, they look great. It's quite painful when they release a new range and it's all the stuff you've just spent all this time painting up. Yeah, Cause that's right. You've got some of them aren't the best looking models and you feel mm-hmm. like you've been forced to paint them because that's all that's available. And yes. Like,
1: oh, here's some new stuff. Old Saurus Warriors are very dirty.
0: <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the main reason I've got Jared on here is so Jared and I met at Runax. Uh We were on opposite sides of the board uh, and then Jared spanked my ass with his doors of cane. <laughs> 'Cause we we played Joel McGrath's team with Coach and Joe, also Pete. Joel Graham. So I always oh, I always do those two names. Yeah, up. always mix them up. Yeah. Joel Graham's team. Yeah. Uh with Coach and Pete Atkinson, mm-hmm. who I've also also had on the podcast. So I thought, oh I've spoken to Jared a few times, met him at CanCon. Um so I thought I'd bring him on here just to learn his story. I'm always interested. And in both Jared and very similar and alike, we've both got stretch airs tattoos and we're tall and skinny. <laughs> You're not wrong. Yeah. So do you want to give us a bit of a,
1: a rundown of how you got into this hobby? Um, so pretty similar to most people. I think when I was young, I had a mate um, that I used to hang out with, and I went around to his place one day, and he was showing me all these cool models. And I was like, oh, you know, what's all this about? Um, he had a lot of um, space marines for 40K. And he also had a lot of like the old Empire stuff for Warhammer Fantasy. So sort of checked that out and thought it was pretty cool and um, decided to get some for myself. I started off with the old fantasy dark elves. Um, So I used to just buy the, remember the plastic blister kits with like two or three random metal models in them. Yes. I've got
0: one sitting on my shelf with some, uh, some goblin model. I can't remember what it is now. Oh, that's right. Fanatics.
1: (laughs) Because old school fanatics. Oh, nice. The metal ones. Yes. Yeah. Sick. Um, yeah, so I just started off with a couple of them. I had some old Dark Elf Assassins um, and whatever the guy with the hell is I can't remember. Sort of into high school, I kept doing it a little bit um, and then it sort of died off, made room for other things like, you know, bike riding and um, partying and stuff like that. Um, and then a couple of years ago now, probably two or three years ago, just before we went into COVID, um, I bought my first gaming PC. And I seen this game called Tabletop Simulator. And I was like, oh, you know, check this out and see what it's all about. So I started looking up some videos and I seen people playing 40K on Tabletop Simulator. And I was like, oh, I, I remember this. I used to do this when I was a kid, you know. And I sort of looked into that. And then I discovered Age of Sigma was a thing. Um, and I'm a massive fantasy head, so that grabbed me straight away. Um, and, yeah, sort of mucked around a little bit with TTS. It wasn't really for me. I decided to grab some more models one day and got a start collecting kit and it all kicked off from there.
0: With you getting into it earlier, was there like how did your friend know about it? Is was there a games workshop
1: available in your town? No, definitely not. Um I think the friend in question, he was from up the coast. So I think that he might have sort of got into it up there and then brought it down with him. But, yeah, the the nearest Games Workshop to us would have been probably Penrith. And then how did you get all your models then? Were you just getting them shipped in? There was a little pet shop in town, and they had, like, this tiny little, like, one bay of just hobby supplies. It was mostly, like, model train stuff, like flock and um, fake trees and things like that. They had, like, a couple of uh, model car kits and train kits and things. And then they had about four or five hooks that used to be warhammer so
0: oh okay yeah
1: i used to go in there and raid the shelves that's a very odd sort
0: of setup <laughs> yeah it was pretty weird <laughs> and then with your tts why do you was it just because it was like a bit clunky and not the best sort of system is why you didn't keep playing it
1: yeah i'm not really sure even today i, I can't really get into tts i think i just like something more tangible like or i like my video games to be video games
0: I can definitely feel that there because I, I felt that a bit as well was like, if I wanted to play a video game, I'd play a proper like yeah. AAA or double A video game, not this clunky sort of mess. Yeah. Whereas I could just play or paint my models in the meantime. Yeah, exactly. Get them up to a standard. So when we're out of COVID, it's back to normal.
1: And you're sort of very reliant on somebody else as well. Like you can't just jump on your computer and whack out a game of TTS by yourself. You sort of need to organize with somebody else to play. And I feel like if I'm going to do that, I'm just going to play regular games.
0: Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah.
1: How did you find the jump then? Did you you play many games on TTS? I didn't really. Um, I sort of played like one game of 40K, I think, and then... I found out that AOS was a thing and played maybe one game of like early second ed on TTS and, yeah, just decided to grab some models and see what it was about on the tabletop. And so, yeah, I didn't I didn't really. It, yeah, like I said, it's not really for me.
0: Because where, where are you located at the moment? Was there a Games Workshop around you
1: there? Uh, so I'm in Bathurst now, but I grew up in Lithgow, so about 40 minutes closer to Sydney. But, yeah, no, there's there's no Games Workshop's out here. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
0: How, how did you then get into your models now? Uh, so there, there was a game
1: shop in Bathurst.
0: Okay, yes, made a so bit easier to get models then. It did,
1: yeah. What, yeah. what did you first jump into? So my first army was Slaves to Darkness. So I got the Star Collecting Box and a Sorcerer Lord on a manacle and painted them up pretty badly.
0: <laughs> As someone that's come from a more digital sort of background, how did you find getting into doing the painting and the hobbying side?
1: So I did a bit of painting like when I was younger, when I had the old Dark Elves and stuff. Um, and I loved it back then, but I, I was very bad at it. It was paint straight out of the pot, slap it on the model, and off you go. Um, so I sort of had half an idea what I was coming back to. But, yeah, I loved it. I, I really enjoy painting. Um, it was pretty easy to sort of dive back in and pick it up again. Do you
0: enjoy all aspects of, like, the building, the painting, and then the modelling as well?
1: I do. I'm less into uh, the modeling side. Like I don't really do many conversions or much sort of green stuff or, or custom sort of work that way um, just because I don't feel like I've got the skill for it and I feel like green stuff and stuff like that is something that like it's got a pretty high skill for. So, yeah, I don't do much of that sort of stuff. But, yeah, I do love the building and the painting and the playing. <laughs> <laughs>
0: How did you find getting into the hobby, like sort of back into it again in terms of like, was there much of a community that you noticed or how was the gaming store? What what was your experiences there?
1: So, like I said, I got in just before we went into COVID. So like 2019 to early 2020 kind of thing. Um, There was a like local gaming group in Bathurst. They were pretty much all 40K. So, when I jumped into AOS, it was pretty much just me and one other guy that used to play, my friend Todd. So, it was pretty much just me and Todd playing every weekend. Um, and then we slowly, over time, converted some of the other guys over. Um, and we've got a pretty, pretty nice community here now. You know, I think there's 10 or 11 of us in Crutchhammer, um, and there's a few floaters. So, it's come a long way from just me and Todd. <laughs> And where did the, the crutch hammer idea come from? The name or the club? <laughs> uh, both. <laughs> oh, God. So the name's a bit of a piss take. Um, We like to make fun of each other, you know, like a bit of banter, a bit of, you know, ribbing each other up and stuff like that. So we all sort of say that we play with crutches. Um, So I like to play with the Shadow Queen. And our mate Blake <laughs> likes to play with Scarbrand and all of that. So... We're always into each other about playing with too many crutches. So crutch hammer. Have you played uh, uh, Doors of for without Marathi yet? I have. I didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm sort of gravitating back to that style of play now because all the points went up again. So she's very expensive. So I have been writing a few lists without her, but I feel like it'll be very hard to pry her away. And what would you sort of class your gaming group as? Are they quite competitive
0: or more casual? Because I know a few of you came from the 40K side as well.
1: Mm-hmm. How is that your overall group? I think we'd like to say that we're pretty chilled out, but I think we're all fairly competitive. We're all we're all pretty competitive, I think. And do you guys
0: do like many leagues or sort of group ornaments and stuff like that, or you just play like casual competitive games throughout the weeks and stuff?
1: I have tried to organize a few sort of leagues lately. Um, We did like a campaign with a map and stuff not long ago. So like you played a game and then you won a piece of the map type thing. So that was pretty fun. Um, And yeah, we do a few slow grow leagues and things like that as well. But a lot of pickup games too, just beer and pretzels type stuff. But then a lot of us are, are tournament gamers as well, myself included.
0: And sort of how many, how did you get into going to
1: tournaments then? I used to just play the local one days and things at the shop when I first started. Um, and then I sort of got to know a few other members of the community and a few of the boys from Orange. Um, I met uh, Josh Griffiths and a few of those boys, and Josh was running a tournament called War Under the Mountain, and I was like, oh, yeah, I'll go along to this and see what it's about. So that was my first -er. two-dayer, and, yeah, absolutely loved it. Couldn't get enough and just been... Going to every tournament I possibly can ever since. Is going to your first tournament. How have you found that for an experience? I absolutely loved it, um, and I could highly recommend it to anyone. You know, if there's anyone out there that's thinking about going to a tournament and they're not sure, my advice would be 100% to it. Yeah, it's definitely. great.
0: <laughs> how did you go? As did you feel like you were quite you're prepared enough when you went to the tournament, or did you feel a bit underprepared? I probably felt a
1: little underprepared, but I still had a great time. You know, I think it's a bit of a step up from a three-game one-day to two or five-game two-dayer. Um, but yeah, I mean, I still had a fantastic time. I think I went two and three or three and two or something like that. But yeah, I loved it. It was a blast.
0: It's a pretty solid effort for a first tournament. Yeah. Did you bring the the lovely ladies?
1: No, oh, I was playing fire slayers back then. Uh, Ah, was that like um, Hermdar? uh, Yeah, old Hermdar. 30 Hearthguard Berserkers and a Magma draw. (laughs) So, (laughs) not a bad list. Uh, And what sort of other tournaments have you been to
0: up until like the last sort of year or two?
1: Well, that was was, uh, war last year. So, uh, I would have been, uh, yeah, February, March last year was my first two-day tournament. um, And I hit pretty much every big tournament last year i did sydney gt sydney slaughter uh maitland gt moab yeah all the big ones runax obviously and
0: then how did you get involved with joel and pete and coach
1: so joel moved out to bathurst oh geez i don't know now probably start of last year i guess um and he came down to one of our game nights at the local store and i met him there um and yeah we we got to be pretty good mates. Um, me and Joel were still really good mates. And yeah, he, I told him that I really wanted to go to Runax because I'd heard about it and I was like super excited to play some teams. Um, so me and him sort of said that we were going to go. Um, and yeah, we, we end up getting tickets and trying to find a few other members for a team. And Joel was like, oh, well, I know this guy, Pete. He's pretty cool. And I was like, yeah, get him in. And then... We were looking for a fourth and Gabe told us coach was looking for a team. So we messaged him and got him on board.
0: Oh, nice. How did you find Runex as an experience for a team tournament?
1: Absolutely fantastic. I think Runex is probably the most fun I've ever had playing Warhammer. It was so good. I have to let Gabe know about that, that's for yeah, sure. Yeah, definitely give him some feedback. <laughs> I think he listens anyway. <laughs> yeah. No, it was great, man. It was fantastic. I'd, I'm definitely going again this year. Teams is, I think, the most fun you can have pushing war dollies around
0: yeah it's, it's definitely a different experience from playing like a solo tournament you've got the whole camaraderie there as well as yeah. it doesn't so much matter if you have won or lost it's like your whole team is won or lost like you might be thrown under the bus or you might be the the guy that's driving the
1: bus depending on where you are on the team yeah exactly i feel like it's a totally different tournament experience too because you're sort of less nervous and more nervous at the same time like your game, it, it may matter and it may not, you know. So you're sort of more chilled out, but then you're more keen to see how everyone else is doing around you as well. And being able to semi-engineer matchups makes it interesting as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. You get these matchups that you wouldn't normally see because people bring a lot more skew lists. Yeah, definitely. And then you can bring in a very hard skew list that doesn't do well under one certain matchup, but then you can just avoid it the whole time Yeah. if you sort
1: of yeah. like... Paying your cards right, you're not stressing about where you are on the ladder and what might get paired into next.
0: How did your team go in the end there?
1: So Friday night tryhards, we went, we came third in the overall game points, um, but we got bumped out by hobby scores and things. So
0: oh, okay. we um,
1: we ended up coming fifth overall. So yeah, pretty happy with that. That's oh, it's a pretty solid result for a very like a respectable team. showing. Yeah mismatch team with joel <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> no we done well man we done good i think the boys all went four one and i went three one and a draw so gotta be happy with that
0: well that's right especially since you're all like got a winning record and you've all had fun games yeah i think exactly. it's the main point out of runax because it's not ultra competitive but there's still a lot of competitive people there and everyone wants to win their matches yeah um so it's always nice to get good results as well as have a fun
1: time it was a great environment too like Everyone was just having the best time. Yeah, It's
0: a way different environment because people just aren't stressed at the top table because everyone's having fun.
1: Yeah, and I feel like there's a lot more like teams that were just there to get on the beers. Yes. Which is always great to see.
0: Our, Our first team were vying for Wooden Spoon.
1: Yeah, right. Oh, yeah, I
0: remember those guys. So they were there just to drink the whole time and get Wooden Spoon, which is why I think they submitted a list last minute. Um, so they could get negative points.
1: <laughs> oh, that's right. They did it late purposely.
0: Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Like, I remember that. I spoke to Gabe and Gabe was like, Oh no, don't worry about Josh's um list, it's just something fun and memey, and then pulls out an all dragon list. And we we're like, <laughs> What are you on about Gabe?
1: <laughs> How can you go for wooden spoon with an all dragon list? Well,
0: I think he was he's like the strongest player of the team. Ah, fair enough. Uh, and just wanted to launch dragons forward. Yeah. Um, so he played Tim with his Fire Slayers, and he took first, I think, and just launched all his dragons forward. I get that. Um, Tim just blew them all up. Yep. That, that's that how happens. they went
1: for the weekend. <laughs> that's what they wanted out of it, though, right? They yes, got exactly what they were after. Yep. And I think great. Josh,
0: out of most tournaments, goes for, like, a special award. I think in the last Runex, there was, or maybe the one previous, there was an award for most models killed. So he took Zinch with a bunch of pink horrors and ran endless th- spells through his whole army. Um, <laughs> so he killed the most models, but most of them were his own. <laughs> wow. So that seems to be his like running theme for the tournament is just to go for these weird hobby things. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I noticed sort of, how have you come quite high at a lot of tournaments? How have you found like you're able to perform solidly over like the last four or five tournaments, considering you're quite new to the hobby? What would you say like has been some of your learning experiences to get like good results?
1: I think I can attribute most of my skill in the game to Joel being a really good friend of mine. Um, he came out to Bathurst and spent like eight or nine months just kicking my ass. Um, but I learned so much about competitive Warhammer from that dude. Um, and just trying to play as many games as I possibly can, I think. I'm always trying to line up a game somewhere, um, getting reps in with a new list that I want to try. Um, and yeah, I think it's it's just about you know getting games in and making sure that you know your list. It also doesn't hurt to know a little bit about sort of what all the other armies in the game do as well. So I'm pretty lucky in the sense that I work a factory job, so I can have headphones in 10 hours a day. So I spend 10 hours a day just listening to Warhammer content. I try and absorb as much information as I possibly can. Um, I listen to, like, pretty much everything that Honest Wargamer puts out, just about, like, the the meta at the moment and what's around and what's not and what's doing well and what's doing badly. So um, it's always on in the background and I think that sort of helps a bit too. I suppose it always helps that Joel was always playing a lot of
0: armies and they're all top tier sort of armies as
1: well. Yeah, that's right. I play a lot of armies myself too. So if something isn't performing the way that I want it to, I can sort of pivot a bit. Definitely getting my butt spanked. <laughs> How long would
0: you say you normally run with an army then before you, you swap over something new? I
1: probably run an army for maybe six months, I guess, until I get bored and have to play something different. Um, I've got probably three main ones that I cycle through. So my favorite army is Stormcast. Um, And then I've got Daughters. I've also got Fire Slayers. Um, God, I think I've got 10 armies now in various states of, yeah, in various states of completion. I'm always sort of, if I'm not playing one of those three, then I'm, Trying to get something else to a point where I can put it on the table and start testing it out. Yeah, it's a lot of, uh, I'd say you're obsessed there. It's a lot of armies to have over uh, just over a year's time. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Uh, the, the term plastic crack is definitely accurate. <laughs> it's, um, I like a lot of armies though. There's not many armies in the game that I dislike. And my ADHD brain is always thinking about like, oh, what if we ran this army? Or what if we ran that army? What if we painted an army of this, but in this game, yeah, I've got a lot of, yeah, a lot of armies in various stages of completion or, you know, various stages of a project. Would you say like
0: the, when you say you like a lot of armies, is that the, like you like the way they play or look on the table or you like the overall aesthetic of the army?
1: I think both. Um, I think it's the overall aesthetic that draws me in. So I've really got to like the models of an army for me to be interested in it, but gameplay is a close second.
0: And what would you say is the main draw for actually playing and and like sort of sitting down with like your armies, like being the Stormcast or the Doors of Kane? So I'd probably
1: describe myself as like a spike Timmy player. So I like reliable combos, but I also like big silly units like just massive units running around the table so if it's got both of those i think it's a winner i like a lot of yeah like big stuff like i love the shadow queen i love like a unit of 15 blood sisters i love the star drake like four dragons you know units like that so i like to put things together in big clumps and just run them around smashing stuff yeah (laughs) yeah would you say like you're quite an aggressive player with your models then I would say so, yeah. I like, yeah, I think so. I play pretty aggressively. I like armies that have big damage, um, but I tend to castle a lot. I think I'm also drawn to armies that do a castle well, but then can sling a big unit out and take something off. Do you reckon you used,
0: you've you played like that majority of the time or you reckon that's sort of as well as something you've picked up from Joel? Because I know Joel is a very aggressive player, so playing with him quite a lot would obviously lead into a little bit of um ways to play and more of a winning aspect. Would you say
1: that's true? I think I've played like that the whole time. I just don't know if I was doing it properly. <laughs> um, yeah, Like I've played Stormcast now for a long time, probably. I think I picked up Stormcast just before the Broken Realms stuff started in second edition. So I was playing a Stormcast castle back then with a lot of sequiturs and evocators and things so yeah i think that's always been my style yeah definitely learn a lot since then
0: a lot of times i've noticed when i play different people i find them a bit of a chameleon in not as much play style but more like overall personnel at the table like i find them quite energetic and loud with someone that's also quite energetic and loud what would you say like your sort of personas at the table as well um
1: that's a good question. I try to be um, like as friendly and sort of, you know, upfront as I can. The first thing I'll usually do is buy someone a beer, yep. <laughs> um, which is, I'm pretty sure that's the first thing I've done when we played transport yes. beer yep. Um, Because I think that sets like it, it just sets a good tone for the game. But like I said, I am fairly competitive. So I do play fairly hard most of the time. Um, but I think you can play a hard game and still have fun with your opponent.
0: Yeah. Well, we so, had tons
1: of fun. Yeah, definitely. We had heaps of fun.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and then would you say you're a person that uses a lot of gaming ads, like do you have like uh, tokens and markers and everything everywhere or are Dude, you sort of, sort of a person that has like just basic stuff?
1: I have a memory like a goldfish. So I have as many tokens and sticks and cards as I can get my hands on. I've got the painter tokens for every army that I play on a regular basis, um, and I don't think I could play without them. They're just absolutely necessary. I really like these war scroll cards that they're doing now in the packets, so you can lay them out on the table and you never forget, like, this moves this many inches or it hits on this or, you know. You, you get to a point where it becomes second nature and you don't need to look at that sort of stuff, but it's always nice to have it there. You know. Yeah, I, I couldn't play without tokens. Okay. <laughs> and when we
0: played, you had a massive dice tray with a bunch of dice. When did mm-hmm. that sort of come about, and what was the method behind having
1: that? So I like my dice to be nice and neat. I like to organize them in groups of 10 so that if I know I've got 11 attacks, I can grab a group of 10 plus one dice, that sort of thing. I think it just keeps the table nice and clean, but it also keeps – like, the gameplay nice and clean. So I always, before the game, try to have that conversation with my opponent, like, this is my dice tray. I roll all the dice in the tray. If it bounces out, I'll re-roll it, you know, that sort of thing. So it it's it puts everyone on the same page and then there's no sort of discrepancies later on, like, oh, you, you re-rolled that when you didn't re-roll this one or, or whatever. So I feel like that's a pretty important part of the game is that that pre-game talk with your opponent just to say this is how i play and this is how i'm going to play the entire game so that there's no you know feel bads from anywhere and yeah i like to keep my side of the table nice and clean you know i like to have my tokens and everything laid out nicely so that i can see them and yeah it it helps the game go faster too when you're not sort of counting out dice for every roll you can just grab a a block of 10 and you know how many you've got i think we had a very Clean table at the end,
0: yeah, um, definitely. Some some games have played. Your opponent is just like one of those people that has markers and dice, and. Just whatever you can think of on the table at the end of the, of the game and you're like, where is all this like sitting? Like why is there so much stuff here? Yep. <laughs> like, yep. You've got to move stuff around to try and get the models in like in the middle of the table because there's a marker sitting here or there's a three-inch stick sitting in the middle there. You're,
1: you're trying to pile a unit in and there's two dice and a marker sitting next to it and you've got to shuffle them out of the way. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah I, I, try, I like to try and keep my stuff as clean as possible. Is that a skill you picked up at the start or is that something you've developed over time? I feel like that's my ADHD brain again, just being like it it must be clean. The OCD says it must be clean. So it must be clean. Yeah. (laughs) Fair
0: enough. What would you say is something that works really well with sort of like your brain and your play style that you could pass on to other people that also like, I know some people struggle to, sort of use their ADHD to a positive way? What would you say is a,
1: like a big advantage that you have there? I think the dice tray is something that helps me out the most. Um, it just helps keep everything in one spot. You know what I mean? Like it gives you that that designated zone where you can lay things out. Um, yeah, I think that's probably the biggest thing. I really like when tournaments have side table too like you've got that little bit on the side of the map that you can put your dice and your markers and things down. I know that it's not a luxury that you get all of the time. Um, we're pretty lucky here in Australia where we sort of have a bit more room between our tables than some other countries. But, yeah, I like that that little area that you can just keep all your, your things organised and off to the side. That, that little area is invaluable. There's the yeah. amount of time there's like,
0: where do I put my dead models? Mm-hmm. Do I have to put them on the corner of the table that's still being used or can I put them off
1: to the side now? Another thing I think is, like you've just said, dead models. And it's it's reminded me that I bought a, a magnetic model case uh, a couple months ago. And I find that once something's dead, I'll put it back on the tray and then sort of put the tray off to the side. And that way it's not clutter on the table. It's sort of away and I don't have to worry about it. Yeah, that's another thing that sort of helped me a bit too.
0: Have you then found having models in a magnetic tray like that,
1: you forget about your harpies? Uh, no, I always put them next to the dice tray. Okay. <laughs> yes. They have their own spot where they go because I am renowned for forgetting to bring them down at the end of the movement phase. Yeah, they've definitely got their own little little bit where they go. I make sure that I see them every time I have to roll dice and I go, yep, they have to come down. <laughs> I've noticed a few people will have like the
0: trays and all this sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then because it fits on there so well, they'll leave their summon units on there. And then end of turn four, they'll be like, oh, I've put some dead models in here. And then why is there two extra units down here? And, they're and now it's on. dead. Yeah. So now it's already in the dead pile. So it's good to go.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I did. I did forget about that heap, So I made sure that I, I gave them their own little area so I don't forget about them. I'm playing Stormcast too. Obviously, a lot of stuff starts in Deep Strike. So I'll try and always have it where I can, where I make sure that I look at it. So I put it right next to the dice tray so that the first two turns, every time I go to roll dice, I'll look at the unit and be like, does it need to come down now? No, but it needs to come down before turn three, sort of thing.
0: You were saying that you really like the, the ends of the table where you can fit more models in. Mm-hmm. Do you think there's anything else that's possibly lacking in the tournament scene that you'd like to
1: see added? Um, I don't know. I'd like to see bars be mandatory. <laughs> <laughs> um, not really, man. I think we're pretty sort of spoiled for choice in Australia with tournaments. I think our TOs do a really good job. You know, I think we've got some great venues, and like I said, we have the luxury of being able to sort of spread out a bit more and not have to cram people into tiny rooms and things like that. So. I think, yeah, I think we've, we've got it pretty good over here.
0: Outside of Runax, have you got
1: a tournament that you want to try and go to every year then? Ooh, every year, I think Sydney GT or Sydney Slaughter, or probably both. Like I think they're, <laughs> they're the two big ones that I'd like to hit continuously. But definitely Runax. I think if I can get a team together this year, which I'm working on over the next few months, um, you'll definitely see me up there again.
0: Oh, awesome. I'll definitely be there. What do you think about the two Sydney tournaments makes them something that you want to come back to all the time?
1: So I've only done them once. <clears throat> Excuse me. I've done them last year um, for the first time. Like I said, it was the first year I really got into competitive tournaments. But I feel like, especially Sydney GT, it was um, like the spectacle of it all. So Coach done a really good job. Um, the venue was just amazing like it was inside the canterbury leagues club um so you sort of walked in the foyer of the leagues club and they had like an indoor fountain and um yeah it was all really really sort of breathtaking to walk in there and and think like i'm here to push plastic dollies around a table (laughs) you know yeah um so yeah it was definitely the spectacle and like the size of the tournament made it better as well um so yeah, that and uh, like Coach runs runs an amazing event. So see what he does this year. We have
0: something slightly similar with the Toowoomba Open is they run it out of the, I think it's called the Star Golf Club. Right, oh, yeah. that was the same thing. I sort of had like that leagues club feel where you walk in and there's a full on like sign in foyer with like fountains and yep. nice floors and everything else. Not what you're normally used to where you're playing in like. The brim of a a pub or something like that. Mm -hmm.
1: The local bowling club or something.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it was nice to to play in that upmarket sort of venue. It makes you feel fancy. It does, yeah. (laughs) I mean, we spend enough on those hobbies.
1: It is we should be able to get into fancy places. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. And I'm a big advocate for I think tournament organisers should be charging more because I don't mind paying premium money for a tournament ticket if it's going to be held at a venue like that. I don't mind paying, you know, $80, $100 for a ticket if I'm going to walk into a leagues club and be like, yep, yeah, this is this is really flash.
0: Coach charges a little bit more but gets the
1: nice venue out of it, doesn't he? I think he did last year, yeah. I'd, like it wasn't anything ridiculous, but, yeah, the venue was incredible.
0: And then that leads on to like having good service being able to get access to beers and drinks constantly without having to scramble over the yeah. one barkeeper that's mm-hmm. supplying alcohol for 80 to 100 people.
1: Yeah. The hall at Sydney GT had a bar inside of it, so you didn't have to go too far. And same with Slaughter, it had a bar um, in the auditorium where we played, so you didn't even have to go back to the to the main area, which is exactly what you want. Yeah.
0: We, we need yeah. to be isolated from everyone else.
1: Yes. Especially when you drink like I do.
0: (laughs) Would you say you have, like, a a favourite tournament game then? Oh,
1: geez, they're all good.
0: (laughs) Is there one that pops into your head straight away when someone says, like, a favourite game? I think
1: my favourite game so far would be game five of Um, We played the boys from Cairns. So, Zenny, um, Rocky, those boys. Um And I played a guy called Quinn. Uh, he was playing Thunder Lizard Seraphon. Um, and I was playing Marathi and the Bow Snakes. So we're both playing pretty, pretty cutthroat armies and lists. Um, and that game went five turns all the way. And I don't think either of us left anything on the table. Um, it was an absolutely fantastic game. And it was a dead tie. yeah so i think it was like 26 all and we both got five battle tactics and a grand strategy or something so yeah that was a great game i love games like that where you can walk away and say that you didn't leave a single thing on the table i think that's when you've hit peak warhammer
0: yeah especially when you're completing all your battle tactics and your grand strategies yeah and you feel like you've had a solid game plan and it was more like your opponent didn't have anything go wrong either. They had the same sort of thing. So you both mm-hmm. had solid game plans and solid results.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Now that it was, it was great. It was really enjoyable. And um, Quinn was a great dude. I 100% play him again in a heartbeat. Yeah. I think that's probably my favorite game just because I could walk away and say that I did everything that I could possibly do and I didn't lose. So. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and that's sort of like something that you really enjoy out of a game. Yeah.
1: Definitely. I like games that are challenging to the point where, yeah, you can say that you left everything on the table. I like to win. I think everybody likes to win. I don't think anyone can go out and say that they like to lose. Um, But I don't mind taking a loss if I can walk away and confidently say that I put everything on the table and they were just the better player.
0: And then, out of all your tournaments you've been to, what would be like your best result, and why do you
1: think you were able to get that result at the tournament? Um, my best result was probably Sydney GT last year. I went four and one. I came fifth or sixth overall, um, and I got best order. Oh, nice. And that's yeah, I think that's my crowning achievement at the moment. I've got a nice trophy from coach and. It's got a nice little spot in the shelf at home. Why was I able to get that result? Um, I was playing Stormcast. The list was very good. Um, honestly, I think I I got really good matchups. The game that I lost was Soulblight Gravelords, which I think is a really hard counter for the style of Stormcast list I was playing because it was not many attacks, but high end high damage. Um, and I think Soulblight just eats that. Yeah, my other four matchups I think were pretty good for me, but also, yeah, the list was, was very good.
0: What, what type of list were you playing with the Stormcast?
1: Uh Four dragons and six long strikes with a Relictor and a draconis. Yeah. So, the sort of like top meta army at the, that point of the, the meta? It was pretty close. I don't know if it was as good as the all dragons list, but yeah, it was, it was pretty up there. Yeah, I miss it. <laughs> they did my dragons. They did my dragons dirty.
0: Yeah, they lost a little bit of their punch now with losing yeah. that
1: extra move. and the hero damage. phase move is what done it, definitely. Yeah.
0: And then now having to only be able to um, shoot twice as long strikes being sizes of three instead of six as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, that hurt. I never take Thunderbolt Volley anymore because I like my rappers in a unit of six. But in the same token, I sort of didn't mind that as much because it makes you play differently. So before you would put the Raptors on the table straight away because you wanted to double tap turn one. Whereas now I stick them in the sky and they sort of come down when I need them to come down. So, yeah, I don't mind when they sort of change the rules and it makes you play a little differently. I just wish they weren't so heavy-handed sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like the people that play the armies are definitely the ones that
0: feel like it's heavy-handed because they're what port. All the models and spent all the time and money.
1: Spent hours painting them. Yeah.
0: And then everyone else, because we're versed and we're like, oh, no, it's not heavy handed. But yeah. we don't have the inverse effect of having to do all that sort of stuff.
1: Everyone else is like, nah, nerf them again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Was that an army that you spent quite a lot of time getting reps in that allowed you to have more, better, like, not more, but better
1: results out of it? I did spend a lot of time playing it. Um, and yeah, you're right. I did try and get as many reps as i possibly could and i feel like i'm sort of spoiled for choice in town because there's a lot of people that play a lot of armies like like i said there's probably nine or ten crutches now and we all play something different so if something's good in the meta you can sort of get a pickup game and be like oh i want to play against this and see what it does so yeah i think i was i was prepared and then
0: if someone new would to get into torment war gaming what would you think would be like a top tip you could give them to sort of get them along the path further since you've sort of got into the tournament
1: scene of the last year or two definitely get yourself some gaming aids like grab some tokens grab a dice tray if that's something that you feel like you're going to need um because the more organized you are in your above table sort of stuff then the more brain power you can use to put into the game you know like if you're not worrying about where everything is or what your dice are doing or anything like that, then it's more time that you're going to spend thinking about what moves you should be making and, and um yeah, sort of what your opponent's doing. I think, yeah, try and be organized if you can, if your brain works that way. I know some people's doesn't, but definitely that's what helped me out. I think. Yeah. And yeah, just reps, just try and maybe stick to one army until you feel like, you know how to play it to its full potential. And then yeah. Get into something else after.
0: Yeah, I definitely think the the longevity of playing with an army and knowing all the rules allows you to then focus on your opponent's army and what they're trying to do, rather than you trying to remember what do I hit on or how far can this unit move or what yeah. buff is do I need to keep up. Yeah, it's more right. what can I dismantle in the opponent's army to then give me the best advantage.
1: Yeah, I feel like the more that you know about your army, you're right. The more that you can focus on. What your opponent's army does. You were saying at the at the
0: start that your partner's just started getting into Warhammer. Mm-hmm. What convinced her to finally make the leap up playing? Because I know I've seen her around at a few tournaments now. Yeah,
1: I think that's what done it. I think I was just dragging her around the country. Yeah, okay. <laughs> she was just watching me play Warhammer. So uh, look, she she came to a few. She came to Runax because um, we went on holidays after, and she came to Cancorn to hang out. And yeah, I think she sort of just thought she's coming that she might as well be playing so she sort of doesn't mind the hobby side of things either like she likes her painting and her sort of modeling and stuff like that so she's very arts and craftsy i feel like it was an easy sell has she been enjoying playing the game she's been having a lot of fun yeah yeah she's she really likes it so hopefully we can get it to some gts this year (laughs) (laughs) that's always the goal isn't it yeah
0: I wanted to ask a tip from you because I know a lot of people or a lot of guys or girls try and bring their partners to Warham or even to tournaments. What do you think enabled you to convince your partner to come hang out with you at a tournament?
1: Um, I booked a week-long holiday at Surfers Paradise afterwards. <laughs> 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 yeah, that was pretty much it. I think Lani came because we were going on holidays after and that was when she came to the first one. But we do a lot of things together like if one of us is going somewhere, we're usually both going and we support each other in sort of all of our hobbies and things like that. So I feel like she could see that it was something that I really loved and wanted to support me in that way and, yeah, sort of got the claws and dragged her in. <laughs> <laughs> and how has she, like, found
0: the overall experience now from being inside and actually playing the game?
1: Um, yeah, I think she's enjoying it. She seems to be really enjoying playing the game um we played a little three-round tournament in Goulburn on the weekend um james mabry once oh, some, yep. ran something at Goulburn comic-con so um that was lani's first tournament sort of outside of little one days in town um and yeah she had a really good time oh that's she, very cool she actually it? picked up coolest army oh nice that's uh, awesome. Yeah. A- i was very proud <laughs>
0: yeah i bet yeah, it's so cool to hear, especially as like a a first sort of bigger tournament out of this like
1: the your local area to then pull yeah. like, pick up coolest army. And it was her first, yeah, first army, first paint job, and everything too. So it's, it was really great. Mm-hmm.
0: What yeah. what did she do to the army? Do she did a bit of modelling and stuff to it as well?
1: Um, so it's deepkin, um, and she painted the whole thing with color shift paints. Oh, um, cool. So all the sea creatures are color shifts, um, and then. All the metallics are like sort of off metallic colors. So they're like pinks and oranges and um, greens and things like that. And then the bases she done, uh, she stole my Vallejo watercolor, the water texture, the clear stuff. um, And she mixed a whole bunch of glitter through it. So it's like waves, but it's all glittery. And yeah, it's really cool.
0: So I suppose it gives you that um, undersea look. Mm. The, the way that the tonal shifts when you like sort of look at it on different angles and you can see like the, the white swirls and stuff.
1: And all the different colors come out. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. really cool. She's done oh, a really good cool. job. So I'm very proud.
0: What do you think um sort of convinced her to go down that route with it all?
1: um She loves sea creatures, turtles and sharks and things. So I feel like once she's seen the turtle was the main draw, once she's seen the turtle, she was like, yeah, okay, I could probably do that.
0: <laughs> it's a big, um, a cool model with like a bunch of details that you don't have to touch if you don't want. To.
1: Yes. I feel like you can paint it as simply or as detailed as you like. And it still looks really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I bought her the first half of the army and sort of just gave it to her and was like, hey, do this. <laughs> you don't have to spend any money.
0: Twisted her arm to get into it. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, I did. But yeah, now she's loving it. She's having a really good time. So,
0: and then what do you think's kept you in the army? Oh, sorry, not in the army, in the game over the last few years then.
1: Oh, definitely the
0: people, I
1: think. That's the typical answer, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it's the best answer though because that's why we're all here in the first place. It is. I love going away to tournaments for the weekend and you know, seeing all the dudes that you catch up with down there, having a beer with everyone. Um but I do really love the game as well. I really love going away and trying to do the best that I can sort of in a tournament scenario and yeah, trying to push myself to be a better player. But mostly it's people and beer. Yeah. <laughs> the best answer there is. Yeah. Speaking of people and beer,
0: I noticed the other day that Shadowhammer or Liam posted starting a podcast and I saw your name on there. Do you want to go over like how you got involved with that?
1: Um, so I've known Liam for a while now, just through tournaments and stuff. He used to do the podcast a few years ago, but it sort of fell off. Um, And he's been talking about getting it up and running again for a little while now. And, yeah, we were just talking one day and he was like, oh, do you want to jump on an episode? And I was like, yeah, sure. And then that sort of led into, oh, you know, I can be a regular co-host type of thing. Um, We got Dan Brewer on board as well. Yeah, it was pretty natural. Me and Liam are pretty good friends and we both are very into like the whole meta-analysis type thing. Um, so, yeah, it was a pretty natural sort of step to get into a podcast and do that sort of stuff.
0: Have you guys released your first episode yet or is it just sort of?
1: Um, it hasn't been released yet. Not yet. It'll be very soon. Are you able to go over a, a bit of a premise of your first episode? Um, so first episode will be introductions. So we'll tell you who we are. and <laughs> <laughs>
0: Spoiler alert, <laughs> there's already yeah, one done for you spoilers. now. Spoilers. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, It'll be like intros, that sort of thing. Um, games that we've played recently. Uh, I'll go over a bit of a recap from Con and probably Golden Smash as well. And then I think we're going to get into talking about the GHB and what we think of it. Not to spoil too much, but I think that'll be the premise of the first episode.
0: And you know when that is coming out?
1: It'll be sometime this week, I'd say.
0: Okay, this week yep. being the twenty twenty first today. Twenty first, yeah, Tuesday right. the twenty first. So sometime in the twentieths. Yeah, yeah, cool. I'm I'm always looking for new content. So when I saw that pop up, I'm like, oh, Ken. And then because I've been to making more of a contact with Liam because mm-hmm. um, I saw him at Runax, and then I think I saw him at something else. So we've spoken a few KenCon? more times and stuff. Yeah, Kencon, Kencon, and Runax. Yep. And then same same with Dan as well. Like I've made contact with Dan a few times. Mm-hmm. Um, Dan's a great guy. And, Ended up borrowing some models. I think it gave him good luck for uh, Runex as well.
1: Oh, that's right. He borrowed some Plague sensor bearers or something. Yes, yeah. yeah.
0: They proved very well for him.
1: <laughs> yeah, they did. He absolutely smashed me with them. Oh, did you play him as well, did you? Yeah, I played Dan three or something. Oh, nice. Yep. Yeah, he was my loss for the weekend. He, oh, okay, Yep. He tailed me up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: Now, so- there's a good little crew there, so I'm definitely keen to give it a listen. So yeah, it'll I be I might really good. Well, um, give it a shout out while you guys uh, while you're on here anyway. Thanks, man. What what is it going to be called? Uh it'll just
1: be Shadow Hammer Podcast or Shadowcast one of the two. Okay. Do you know where the name comes from? Um that was the name of the podcast before when Liam used to do it. So I'm sort of just revitalizing that again. Was Dan part of the old one? I don't think I ever listened to the old one. I'm not sure. It was definitely before my time. Yeah, I'm not sure. I know it was definitely Liam. I'm not sure if DM was involved
0: back then. Yeah, because I've I've only heard... I know I've heard Liam being referred to as Shadowhammer. Mm-hmm. Um, but outside of that, I've not heard a whole lot because I was def- more Sydney-based. So I didn't really know a whole lot of the Sydney crew until Chris Welfare came up. He always kept mistaking that there's two gaming groups and kept thinking everyone knew each other already. Mm-hmm. Um, so he'd go, oh, how are you going, Liam? Why are you going, Sam? And then go, oh, and then go wander off and then come back five minutes later and he goes... But you guys don't know each other yet. Um <laughs> to be the running theme between Runex and CanCon. So hopefully Chris pulls his neck in and finally figures out that there's two gaming scenes. Yeah, pull your head in, Chris. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> no,
1: nah, he's all right. Welfare's a great bloke. Yeah, he is. No, he's brilliant. Yeah.
0: I wanted to ask, because you said you picked up TTS mm-hmm. as like a way you first got back into the hobby. Why do you think you picked that up? And what games were you playing previously that lent into you playing on
1: TTS? So when I play video games, I pretty much exclusively play like super high fantasy RPGs. So I play a lot of like Dragon Age, a lot of Elder Scrolls, a lot of like the Witcher, um, you know, stuff like that. Or a lot of like CRPGs like um, Divinity or, you know, Baldur's Gate things like that. Um, so it didn't really have much to do with any of those. Actually went away to do a course for work. Um, and I got speaking to another guy that I met down there and we were sort of talking about PCs and games and all that sort of jazz. And um, he played the same sort of games as me, you know, high fantasy RPGs and things. And then he was like, oh, have you ever heard of this tabletop simulator? And I was like, oh, no, not really. And he's like, oh, I play a lot of... Um, you know, a lot of Warhammer, um, but I also played on TTS. You should give it a look. And I was like, oh, yeah. So, yeah, that's sort of where I heard about it. And I I knew Warhammer because I had done it before when I was younger. And I was like, oh, that could be pretty cool to, to play it on the computer or whatever. So, yeah, I sort of gave it a look. And um, I'm one of those people that will see a game and then go straight to YouTube. And look at like reviews and gameplay videos and things like that. So, uh, yeah, went straight to YouTube and started watching people play games on TTS and thought it looked pretty cool. And yeah, got in that way. Do you still keep up with your video games or are they falling by the wayside now? I try. I work like pretty big weeks. So, I get not as many hours to do fun things as I would like. But A lot of that is consumed by the hobby now. So, I don't play as many video games or, you know, video games as often as I'd like to anymore, but I do try and and still play a few. I think um come August I'm gonna be uncontactable for six months because Boulders Gate three is coming out, so <laughs> I'll be like glued to my keyboard.
0: <laughs> yeah. I was gonna ask why do you think you you play more hobby now rather than video games, but you've sort of gone the other way now with your Baldur's Gate three. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure. I In my hobby room, I'm surrounded by unpainted models. So when I come in here and sit on the computer, I sort of feel a bit guilty, like I should probably paint that over there or I should build that kit that's staring at me. So, And I've always got some new list or something in my head that I want to try. So I'm always, yeah, trying to get this built or that painted or work on this project or that project.
0: With your your list and that, do you find you write them solo or you sort of throw them into the a group think tank how do you go about writing your lists
1: so i absolutely love list writing um i write a lot of mine solo but i don't mind taking inspiration from sort of i wouldn't say 100 percent net list but i do definitely take inspiration from lists that i see online um we don't really have a think tank to speak of like i don't have a group chat that i chuck them in or anything but Yeah, I'd say I write them a lot solo and I do sometimes bounce them off the other Crutch Hammer boys to see what they think. But yeah, a lot of it's just whatever I can come up with. I write hundreds of lists. Yeah. (laughs) Most of them are not very good, (laughs) but you know, sometimes there's some gold in there. Would you say a bit of a strength of yours is list list writing? I'd like to think so. I'm sure other people would disagree, but yeah, I think so. I think I'm... I definitely enjoy it, put it that
0: way. I think that's the main thing. As long as people enjoy, because you know people also hate list writing because there's so much to it and it's quite a deep experience to then have to then refine and come back to and change the list constantly. But I think some people, like you said, you really enjoy that whole aspect of it all.
1: I do, yeah.
0: Do you enjoy the tailoring later on, like pulling out units and throwing in new units?
1: Yeah, yeah. I love a tweak. Okay. <laughs> Sometimes I'm I'm probably guilty of tweaking too much. Um, I probably don't get as many reps with a list as I should before I start to tweak it, but, yeah, I do love a tweak.
0: With, with your tweaks, do you throw, like, a, a built model in, model in or do you proxy it till you find out that, that that unit works and then you go and buy the models? What's your premise and your ideas
1: behind it? I always sort of put a built model in. It's oftentimes not painted. Um, but yeah, it'll, it'll more than likely be the legitimate model and it'll be built. In.
0: You've got in your, um, the pleasure center hit from buying the model. So you might as well build it up and throw it on <laughs> yes. the table.
1: Yes. That's exactly right. <laughs> yeah. I have to get some use out of it because I've spent money on it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. I I'm definitely guilty of that myself. I think of a new idea and I'm like, rather than testing it to see if it works, I'll just go out and buy it. Mm-hmm. And then I'll find out later that it won't work. And it just sits in gray on the table. In the, in the cabinet. I'm like, oh, okay. Speaking my language, <laughs> Sam. you speak my language. But I've got that nice, good feeling of buying the model and building it. Because mm-hmm. I, I do quite enjoy building models as well. Um, so I at least I get the satisfaction there. I might not be able to paint it or have it on the uh, permanent use on the table. But g- just being able to build it and get it all up to standard, at least, to be playable.
1: Yeah, I feel that. Um, I feel like I'm, yeah, pretty much the same. You obviously then build quite a lot of models. I do. Yeah, and I'm always sort of bouncing around building different things, like either that or I'm hyper-fixated on one army and I just build everything. But sort of if I'm between projects, major projects, I'll find myself sort of bouncing around and building different stuff. Like I might build a Skaven kit and then I'll go build a a Spike kit, then I'll build a Lumineth kit or something but eventually one of those will grab me and I'll hyper fixate and build and paint the whole army and that'll be my next thing. Okay. Yeah.
0: I, I see where you mean when you've got your 10 armies, you've got them like all strewn around everywhere and you've just got yeah, something. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Do you find then you don't have much of backlog of unbuilt models? Uh, no, I've got
1: heaps of unbuilt models.
0: Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I, I really enjoy building models. I fi- So I find when I'm not, Super enthusiastic about painting i'll be building, and then okay. I run out of models to build, and then I'm like, "Ah, oh, now I have to paint something I can't just build it, so I yeah. have very little unbuilt
1: models. I wish I could run out of stuff to build <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> it depends, yeah, like I said, most of my stuff is at varying stages of of a project, so some armies i've got that nothing's built it's just all you know in the box I might have built one or two kits or something. But yeah, other stuff, it's all built and it's just sitting there waiting to be painted. So yeah, it depends sort of what I was doing at the time and what my idea was for the project. I like to have options because like I said, (laughs) I, I sort of get bored playing the same thing all the time. So if I'm not tweaking the list, then I'm playing a different army. So the idea is to have enough armies where I can play something different all the time. Before you convinced
0: your partner to get into the hobby, how did she feel about uh, the excess amount of plastic you have around?
1: Yeah, not too bad. I don't think she was (laughs) thrilled about it. Um, But we share a hobby space now. She, Like I said, she's very arts and craftsy and she does um, a lot of sewing and um, a lot of like she makes T-shirts and things like that. So she's got her own sort of desk over in the corner of the hobby room and um, so, we tend to hobby together. If we're not doing, if we're not both hobbying on Warhammer, then she'll be hobbying on something different. But okay. that's sort of quality time that we spend together. So, if she doesn't really care as long as the bills get paid. That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She does a lot of online shopping. So, I just look the other way when she does that. <laughs> sort of our fair unspoken enough. contract. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep.
0: And then so, out of the two years, what tournaments have you got coming up for both years?
1: Um, so next month, oh, no, this weekend, actually, we've got War Under the Mountain 3. Nice. Um, so that's a Crutch tournament run by Mr. Josh Griffiths himself. Um, so that's a two-day this weekend. And then uh, next month, I'm running a one-dayer at the bowling club. So we've got that one. And then, geez, after that, I'm not sure. Probably Sydney Slaughter, I think, would be the next one, which is June, I think.
0: I'm not sure. Couldn't tell you. I've not been to a slaughter yet. Uh, I do definitely want to get down and support Chris. Um, I've not made it to one yet, so I couldn't tell you the actual mm-hmm.
1: dates. Is it's, this your first tournament? It's you a great ran? day. Um, no, so I've had the TO hat on a little bit around here lately. I, I ran my first tournament in February, um, just a little one dayer. Mm-hmm. Um, And then I missed March because we've got War Under the Mountain, which is a Crutchama GT. Um, But then this will be my second one. So, yeah, I was pretty sort of keen to get something happening around here. Um, We sort of lost our local game store recently, which used to run all our little monthly one days and things like that. Um, And I really didn't want to see the community sort of without something that we can do. Just that once a month get together and play games for the day. So, yeah, I sort of chucked on the TO, the T-O hat and um, thought I'd pick that up.
0: What is your local hobby store moving away or what's happening there? Are you able to get a hobby space going for everyone else?
1: Um, no, I think it's pretty well closed down. Oh, that's a shame. Um, if it's open, I think they're just doing like trading cards and things like that. Okay. Um, but yeah, they've gone right away from Warhammer and. Uh, sort of tabletop gaming in that regard. So,
0: a Bit of a shame to lose a hobby space.
1: It is, um, but, you know, things are readily available online these days and I feel like if you can keep everyone engaged and give them that sort of once a month, this is when we're going to get together and hang out type thing, um, I feel like it's pretty good for everyone. Our local bowling club's been really really supportive of um what i'm trying to do down there uh which is good you know they've been really great letting us use the space um for a pretty convenient sort of rate and it's a big enough space where we can fit you know more tables than we'd need to um, and it's got a bar which is it's always the bonus the most important bar. yeah yes so uh, yeah, it's that's nice good. that they're
0: it's, cooperating with you then. It makes it easier on your end and easier for the community to come around it as well.
1: Yeah, it's yeah, it's so much better when the venue is on board.
0: Oh, nice. Well, as we end up the show here, do you have any shout-outs you wanted to, to give out?
1: Um, Definitely shout-out to Crutchhammer to all the boys and girls in the Bathurst Orange Central West area. Um, they're like my hobby family, you know, they – Keep me motivated, and that's what the hobby's all about. Um, shout out to my partner Lani, definitely for all the support and getting into the crazy hobby with me. Yeah, shout out to all the tos that run fantastic events, so that I can come down and drink your beer. Yep.
0: Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks so much for coming on, Jared. I thoroughly enjoyed chatting with you and learning about
1: you. That's all right, man. Thanks for having me. I've had a great yeah, time. Easy.
0: Yeah, it's been great. Awesome. Well, enjoy the rest of your night and enjoy your your cooler week because I'm very jealous.
1: I will, man. Thank you. Catch you later. See you, man.
0: Thank you for listening to Unidentified Wargamer. You can find links for the guests located in the description below. You can find the show on Twitter at you underscore wargamer and I will see you next week.